0: Welcome back to Ndaba Africa. This is Chris once again. Hello, folks. Welcome back to Chris White Africa here on Saturday, June 12th, 2021. Pleasure to have you back. We're back to ultra low latency. Looks like that's working once again. Good to see that. Let's get to Indaba African news of the day. I'll be here for just an hour or so today. I need to get on the road to Leesburg, Virginia for Old Glory D.C. versus New Orleans nola gold uh major league rugby competition taking place today i have interviews with uh, head coach from new orleans cam dolan jp Duplessis from south africa and um, unfortunately we have not reached the threshold i was hoping for to get to 1000 so that i can live stream from there that's unfortunate but that is the reality as we've been harassed on putu we are up to 971 though shame just 29 people away from busting through that cap and getting to where we want to go also thank you so much to those who are tuning in we're uh, I, I, it's, it's crazy. It hasn't been since April of last year. that They excited when a video of mine reached 100 views, <laughs> but, but with none of my videos reaching 100 views of late and all the suppression harassment, um, as I approach 100 views on a video, I get a little bit excited now. So thank you. My, uh, is the new South African Airways black enough video about SAAs privatization, <laughs> not quite privatization, has hit 86 views already. So thank you. In fact, let me double check and make sure that's actually correct if it's 86. Yeah, it's 86. So thanks for tuning in to that, folks. Let's get to the news and headlines here on Chris White Africa for Africa and around the world, ladies and gentlemen. We'll start off with that story in South Africa where the, um, uh, whatever, his uh, state-owned enterprises, you know, kleptocracy, ministry, I don't know what it's called, but uh, Pravin Gordhan has announced that the South African government has privatized 51% of the failed, defunct South African Airways. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, an airline that doesn't fly, it has zero pilots, it owes billions of dollars in debt, and hasn't flown for months, but it's been sold. 51% to a consortium known as the Takatsu consortium. Now, what is Takatsu? Takatso is a combination of Harari or Hiri, uh, which is an organization, a capital fund owned or managed by Shepo Mahalolo, who is a former deputy finance minister under Thabo Mbeki's regime. And then Gideon Novik, who is a successful serial entrepreneur, the former CEO of Comair Air in South Africa, the founder of Kalula Discount Airline, as well as the recent launch of Lyft Airlines in South Africa. So we will talk more about that shortly. South African schools have changes coming up. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to talk about the effort to wipe out South Africa's history and rewrite it for students. Many minority students have already no concept of their own history because it's been wiped from the books, but now the state will formally seek to distort and lie about the history of South Africa. Kind of what the National Party did for a long time too, just the ANC doing it now. And adding East African languages because we all know that East African languages are the key to success in Southern Africa. More to come on that. President Eric Massisi has gotten the jab. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, he got the jab. Congratulations to Eric Massisi. When we took Botswana hmm, nearly seven months after the rest of us started getting him. Zimbabwe's courts are captured. I've told this story many times, but the uh, high court has ruled that Chief Justice Luke Malaba can return to work. Now, of course, he he was reappointed by the Crocodile. Emerson Monagagua illegally unconstitutionally to extend his term because he's required to retire at the age of 70, according to the constitution, which came from 2013. So Zimbabwe can't even be bothered to follow their own constitution. That's not even a decade old, but hardly a surprise there. Meanwhile, the government of Zimbabwe has refused or turned down vaccine donations in the midst of a pandemic in which they have no idea what they're doing. The government of Zimbabwe has refused donations of viable vaccine for its citizens. Again, the government of Zimbabwe has turned down free donations of vaccines to protect their population. I ask you, who do they care about? Citizens or cadres? And I think you know the answer there. President Edgar Lungu of Zambia can, in fact, stand for re-election. This is a long-standing question about whether he can stand. The courts have decided that his partial term, in which he filled him for the deceased president, does not count, which would be the correct decision. Similar situation would have would have fit for Jerry Ford. Gerald Ford would not have um, would not have had his first term count against him because it wasn't his term. He was finishing someone else's term. But alas, he lost his election bid and never ran again. President Buhari of Nigeria lays down the gauntlet for troublemakers in Nigeria, and the U.S. is pushing for Nigeria to lift the ban on the abusive tech titan Twitter. Bloomberg News abandons all pretense that Bloomberg is a business magazine, and I'll tell you about those. About the details of that story here shortly. And Joe Berg service rates are skyrocketing once again. We'll talk about that story as well. Indonesia, South Africa, and Mexico all join the chorus to rob corporations around the world with this ludicrous minimum international tax rate for corporations of course south africa wants this, saying it's unfair that people that work for their livelihood people that have ideas and entrepreneurialism and create things you know people like elon musk who can't do it in south africa because it's racist system and because of its defective economy have to go abroad to use their talents to become billionaires and produce untold wealth for many people including employment for tens of thousands of people in high-tech fields can't do that in south africa not, not, not unless you're black enough. If you're black enough, you can do it. But otherwise, you can't do it in South Africa. So these countries that fail, Indonesia, South Africa, Mexico, want to be able to set a minimum rate so that no one can be more competitive on a tax standpoint than they are. And they can steal with global approval. El Salvador adopts Bitcoin as a legal tender. Interesting news. First country in the world to accept Bitcoin as legal tender. And the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General, Mar- Staff, General Mark Milley, Seems to be at odds with uh, the uh, deputy premier of the Chinese Communist Party who resides at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, that's Bo Chi Jiden. Um, so we see that the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Mark Milley, has said that China has stepped up its military and it has become a serious threat. The contrast this with President Biden, who's running around screaming, the sky is falling, telling his religion, his deep faith of climate change is the most serious threat to America's national security. Seems to be a bit at odds with the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff just saying. Well, folks, those are the headlines. Let's get to a little in-depth analysis and coverage of the actual news stories. As I mentioned, South Africa's province Gordhan has announced that they have sold off, but it's not sold. Takatso, by the way, Takatso is a Susutu word, which means aspire, but Takatso Consortium doesn't have to pay for 51% of South African Airways. (laughs) Give me 51% for free. They promised to invest 3.5 billion rand or 200 $58 and $58 million. That's not going to get very far. That's not going to get very far at all. But let's take a look at this story here. This is the story of the day here that we're uh, it's trending and we're talking about it. But you wouldn't know it from viewership of my video that it's trending. <laughs> Gordhan unveils sale of 51% of SAA. Harith General Partners and Global Airways make up the Takatso Consortium, which is the preferred strategic equity partner for the airline. Why is the government retaining a 49% stake in in South African Airways. Now, the airline hasn't made a profit in a decade, has virtually no aircraft left, has no pilots because they've all been fired, and 80% of their staff have been let go. So what exactly are they buying into? The story from Bloomberg sells state airline to private equity venture. That's misnomer. It's misleading. 49% retains with the ANC, so they're not getting rid of it but they give up the majority share in it. Public Enterprises Minister Pravin Gordhan, the current shareholder representative of the South African Airlines, announced that on Friday, investors will own a 51% majority shareholding in the airline. The government will hold a minority stake at 49%. The Katsu Consortium, which includes well-known figures in South African aviation industry, will be chaired by Harith CEO Chepo Malola and Gideon Novik the former Comair CEO who recently launched the low-cost airline Lyft, and also is the uh, the talent behind Kalula. They're going to inject $3.5 billion into the airline. Well, we'll see what happens there. Mm, a 16, 17-month bankruptcy that they've gone through here. South Africa was last profitable in 2011 and recorded cumulative financial losses of nearly $18 billion rand in a five-year period from 2012-2017. They have received $32.3 billion in bailouts from taxpayers over the years, folks. $33 billion in taxpayer bailouts just since they've been unprofitable. So what makes you or I think that $3.5 billion, $268 million, is going to be enough for this defunct airline? It's not. SAA isn't flying. It has no pilots. Not to mention its charter and its licenses for gates and for airports. Do they even exist? Are they still valid? Those are legitimate questions. But there you have it. SAA. <laughs> this this carcass refuses to rot and go away. Just bury it already. Sell off the name in an auction and let someone come back that knows what they're doing without a government stake, unless you want to give that stake to a National Sovereign Wealth Fund. South African schools have changes coming up for this year. Basic Education Minister Angie Mochika presented her annual budget to the National Council of Provinces. And in that budget, she talks about the following the introduction of marine sciences and aviation as subjects you, okay you're going to teach aviation in public schools in primary and secondary school really you can't teach english or maths or science remember science must fall the establishment of focus schools to cater to learners with special talents and aptitudes across a wide range of scholastic endeavors we had those but they're gone courtesy of the anc and its perversion of the education system a revision of the history curriculum including a new focus on African and local history." Ah, you see that racist statement there, African and local history. For instance, Afrikaners are Africans. They have been Africans for nigh on five centuries, so that must be included. But we of course know that that won't be part of it. And the introduction of more additional second languages including Kiswahili spoken in Tanzania and in Kenya. Why in the world are we introducing a language heavily influenced by Arabic into Southern Africa? Now, the Khoi, Nama, and sign languages, as well as South African sign language will be introduced in school. That's a good development. It's long overdue that Khoi, Nama, and sign languages is being introduced, but uh, we've seen that the South African Ministry of Education is incapable of cleaning schools. How in the world are they going to be able to introduce these um, ancient languages into the curriculum? It seems to me it's not going to happen very well. Botswana's president, Eric Masisi, or Makwetse, Mas- Eric Masisi, has gotten the jab, ladies and gentlemen, Finally. There you go. President Masisi getting his Pfizer jab. Ooh, look at that. Looks like he's squinting right there. President Mokwetsi Masisi on Friday received his first jab of Pfizer, the country's capital, Harare. I'm here to receive my first jab of vaccine that is currently ongoing. I'm taking the jab today. Like I said before, those running the vaccine campaign made arrangements of who will receive the jab and when. So my time has come. I encourage everyone to take the jab when their time comes in order to save lives. Southern African country is currently ad- ad- administering a second dose for people who received the first jab of the Chinese vaccine. Botswana has administered at least 150,000 doses, and they've had 59,480 cases with just under 900 fatalities. I venture to say if we take a look at the mortality tables for Botswana, far more people died from HIV since this pandemic started, and far more people have died from tuberculosis in Botswana than that small total. That the country has eviscerated its economy playing monkey see monkey do like other incomplete ineffective moronic governments around the world. Zimbabwe's high court proves once again that it is captured. After ordering that the chief justice had to retire at the age of 70, could not be reappointed, uh, they have now backed down. One wonders what intimidation threats were made against the members of the court by the ZANU PF kleptocracy. One can only wonder. ZANU Zimbabwe court upholds Chief Justice's right to resume work despite his age. Now, do not misinterpret my story reporting here. This is not a question about whether somebody over the age of 70 can work. I certainly think they can and should be allowed to work if they're capable of it. I don't like ageism and people should not be discriminated against against because they're elderly. But their constitution says that 70 must retire. So either you amend the constitution or you follow it. That's what the rule of law is, in Zimbabwe. I know that since Ian Smith's government has left, you really don't understand what the rule of law is. It's a bit complicated, under the kleptocracy, the venal, vindictive Robert Gabriel Mugabe. Zimbabwe's High Court on Thursday backed Chief Justice Luke Malaba's right to resume work despite a previous ruling that the president's decision to extend his tenure breached the Constitution. Well, it still breaches the Constitution, so why in the world is it the crocodile's chosen favorite gets to violate the Constitution? Well, that is the land of Zimbabwe, Cloud Cuckoo land, and it just never changes, folks. And for the three to five million Zimbabweans living abroad, you're the ones who had the right idea. This is an ungovernable country led by a kleptocracy. Speaking of that kleptocracy, they've turned down vaccine donations. Can you imagine that, folks? People offer you. So while we hear lies from Cyril Ramaphosa and Mo Ibrahim, of all people, and members of the African Union whining, complaining, fictitious fairy tales, racist narrative about global apartheid, vaccine apartheid, because they're too stupid to do their job effectively from the outset. And become part of vaccine distribution, leaving it all to the corrupt Covax facility, which has failed everybody as I predicted when it was created. Zimbabwe, despite the lies that Shira Ramaphosa tells everyone, that there's a global vaccine apartheid, trying to evoke images of racism, bigotry, and separate development. This is this is just this is typical standard line of people who have nothing in their quiver, not an arrow in that quiver to fire, because they're unprepared. Zimbabwe, there's no global. Vaccine apartheid Zimbabwe is turning down donations. Western countries offered free vaccine and Zimbabwe said no So stop the lies and the racist narrative. Zimbabwe's government is facing criticism for turning down a donation of 3 million doses of the J&J vaccine, Johnson Johnson. Authorities say they're not prepared to deal with the refrigeration requirements and possible side effects. But critics also point to politics as the reason behind the government's decision. In a letter to the African Export-Import Bank, Zimbabwe's government explained it was still analyzing possible side effects of the J&J vaccine. Finance Minister Secretary George Guvatamanga said the country does not have the storage facilities required for the doses. But in an interview, Dr. Norman Matar from Zimbabwe Association for Doctors for Human Rights said J&J vaccines are stored at the same temperature as China's Sinopharm and Sinovac, which Zimbabwe has been using since February. So ah, we see here, this is racist, racist bull crap from Zimbabwe, refusing to accept J&J. It wasn't the Chinese that developed the vaccine. They're doing it under license. So what a bunch of idiots. What a complete bunch of idiots. So Zimbabwe refuses vaccine. And they say they don't have the storage. I'm sorry, this pandemic started in November of 2019 in China, but um, let's go with February for everybody else. February of last year, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, December. That's 11 months in 2020. January, February, March, April, May, June. We'll give, them okay, six months. That's 17 months since this started. And they're not capable of providing cold storage, but they can for the Chinese vaccine. Anybody that believes anything that comes out of the mouth of any government official in Zimbabwe really needs to go see a mental health professional because you just will fall for anything. Absolute nonsense. Zambia's president, Edgar Lungo, is able to run again. Uh, The Zambian court throws out a second challenge to his reelection bid. Zambia's constitutional court ruled on Friday that President Lungu can stand for re-election in August, throwing out a second opposition challenge his eligibility on the basis of a constitutional two-term limit. He hasn't, play, he hasn't served two terms. He's in his first term. He served out the term of his predecessor. His first term in office lasted a year and six months when he took over after death the death of previously elected president, Michael Sata, and he won a disputed vote in August 2016. Africa, or Zambia, of course, is Africa's second largest copper producer, grappling with economic woes owing to the depressed commodity prices, which started well before the pandemic. There you have it. So Lungu can run again in Zambia. Is that a good thing for Zambians? I don't know. I'm mixed on his uh, term as president. We'll see where it goes. President Buhari of Nigeria has laid down the gauntlet for those misbehaving in Nigeria. Hmm. Nigeria's president vows to fight militant groups and fix economy as activists call for anti-government protest. It's getting crazy in in Nigeria. Nigeria's President Buhari acknowledged Saturday the increased violence by armed groups in the northeast of the country and vowed to soon bring some of these culprits to justice. We've heard this story before from one president after another, so we'll see. In the last two years, we've witnessed and overcome a good number of tests and challenges that are especially related to our collective security, Buhari said, during a televised address during Democracy Day. Let me assure you, my fellow citizens, that every incident, however, minor, gives me great worry and concern. We will, by the grace of God, put an end to these challenges. Hmm. Buhari campaigned on a platform to end terrorism, violence by armed groups. But unfortunately for Buhari, the situation has got progressively worse. It's far worse now than when he took over for good luck, Jonathan. And this is not good sign for his, if he wants to run for re-election, that's not going to serve him well. He may not be able to finish his term the way things are going. This is quite crazy what's happening in Nigeria. Buhari, of course, is a former army general who was part of a coup in the past and had a military government for a period of time serving as president, and then came and legitimately was elected president more recently. Now, to give you an idea how long this guy's been around, he was an army war college student in 1980, a graduate, 1980. I served in uniform for 36 and a half years and retired a year and a half ago. He graduated from army war college as a colonel, which means he'd already been for like 20 years, before, three years before I even entered the army. So there you have it, folks. That's how long it's been around. President Buhari. Meanwhile, the United States is uh, pushing Nigeria to back off its ban of Twitter, the abusive tech titan. U.S. calls for Nigeria to end the Twitter suspension. Of course they do. The United States on Thursday condemned the Nigerian government for suspending Twitter and targeting individuals who use the social media app, including Nigerian broadcasters, and called for the African nation to reverse its decision. I call on Washington, D.C. to call on Twitter and Facebook and YouTube and Instagram and all these other social media tech titans who've abused the privileges generously handed out by the people of this country under the 1996 Telecommunications Act, Section 230, to stop abusing content providers who are not violating any rules, but you simply disagree with their politics. It should be job one, prima facie responsibility for the U.S. government to protect its own citizens from the abuse of these tech titans, not to protect Nigerians who are being protected Against abuse by Twitter, by the Nigerian government, the world is upside down. Washington needs an enema, and it's time. It's long overdue. Bloomberg, once a decent news outlet on Business News, of course, they bought Business Week and destroyed that former McGraw-Hill publication, turned it into a leftist propaganda rag with the climate change religion and the devotion slavishly to leftist causes, which doesn't help business or economics in the least bit. But Bloomberg can abandon all pretense of being a business magazine as they recommend that Joe Biden continue to give handouts and welfare, not to create the conditions that are conducive to entrepreneurship and business growth, but to give handouts rather than tax breaks. They've lost their mind. Bloomberg's opinion, Biden should show Americans the money. Cash benefits are more balanced than tax cuts in determining who gets the money. Now, excuse me. This is a business publication, ostensibly to talk about the prospects for business and would be an organization that understands capitalism, market-based economies. Yet their recommendation to Joe Biden is to continue to extend and expand the welfare state. Now, who exactly pays for that? Only a handful of us actually pay for that nonsense. But that's what they want. These people have lost their mind. They're not a business publication. They're a propaganda outlet. And this is prima facie evidence of it right here. Whether Joe Biden's president will be transformative, as many are hoping it remains, <laughs> are you delusional? But if it does not turn out to be one of those pivot of history kind of presidents, he's, no, it's not going to be unless he destroys a country, like that of Ronald Reagan or Franklin Roosevelt. <clears throat> what will be the big economic policy idea that comes out of it? Nothing. For Reagan, it was tax cuts. For Biden, it will probably be cash benefits. This article is calling for the government to dole out money to make people dependent on the state instead of on their own merit. Well, let's take a look at other bizarre news coming out of South Africa. Shocking water and electricity rates for people in Joburg. Well, here you go. Shocking water, sewage, electricity hikes for Joburg residents. This is in Business Tech today. And they're talking about electricity tariff increased by almost 15%, water by 7%, sanitation by 7%, and refuse by almost 4.5%. I've reported previously on these rates. It shouldn't be news to those living in Joburg, but it is a sad state of affairs. Meanwhile, South Africa's finance minister, the famously wrong all the time and corrected by his own government, embarrassing Tito Mwini, is joining the chorus call for this corrupt collusionary effort to set global tax rates. That's right, for corporations to steal from corporations because corporations aren't people. Corporations are just these evil entities that we can steal from and it doesn't affect workers or economies or anything like that or shareholders that actually invest in companies to give them the resources to create jobs. Nah, let's just take all the money from them. <laughs> there you go. Does this guy look like a clown or what? Tito Mbwini, looks like a total clown. Notice his receding hairline and his enlarged waistline. Keep growing. South African finance minister Tito Mboweni reacts as he arrives to deliver his budget speech at the parliament in Cape Town back in February in that photo. Indonesian South African Mexican finance ministers expressed support on Thursday for an overhaul of the international tax rules to make companies pay their fair share in a more globalized and digitized business world. Let me correct something there to overhaul. There's no overhaul. They want to establish something that does not exist. There's no minimum global corporate tax rate at the national level. It doesn't exist. That's why Canada undercuts us with 12% national tax rates at the federal level. Provincial provinces throw on their own taxes, but starting at 12%. Whereas the United States was at 35% before Trump. And Biden wants to increase that back. These people are loons. Let's look at an economy that's been moribund for over 30 years. Japan. Who has the highest corporate tax rates in the industrialized world? Japan at 39%. One reason why that economy is a fossil and has gone nowhere for three decades. China, Japan has become no more prosperous and it's gone from being the world's second largest economy to being its third largest economy. And if it continues to stagnate and continue to lose the population, it will decline further down the list and become an also-ran power in the future. El Salvador has adopted Bitcoin as its legal tender, as a legal tender. Bitcoin law is only the latest head turner by El Salvador's millennial president. Look at that goober. Look at that goober. Boy, that that, that that beard looks like it's been painted on. Pretty sexy looking there, isn't it? The young president of Central American nation El Salvador leapt to worldwide fame this week after his country became the first in the world to adopt Bitcoin as a legal tender. Cryptocurrency fans across the globe celebrated when this bill was swiftly approved by lawmakers on Wednesday, and the 39-year-old leader followed up with a plan to mine energy from volcanoes to power the massive data centers needed to mint the digital currency. <laughs> So he's going to use volcanoes to mine Bitcoin. You got to love it, folks. El Salvador becomes the first country to adopt Bitcoin as a legal tender after passing this law. (laughs) There you go. Unbelievable, folks. El Salvador became the first country to adopt Bitcoin as legal tender. Lawmakers in the Central American country voted by a supermajority in favor of the Bitcoin law. 62 of the 84 in the legislature voted for it. The price of Bitcoin was up by 5%. Quick, somebody tell Ronaldo. I'm sure he'll be excited to hear this news. He'll probably cover it endlessly. Bitcoin, 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 Bitcoin. The purpose of this law is to regulate Bitcoin as an unrestricted legal tender with liberating power, unlimited in any transaction, and to any title that public or private, natural or legal persons require carrying it out. Well, here's the thing. Bitcoin is already that all over the world. People already use this legal tender, whether governments recognize it or not. So it's kind of silly in some respects. President Biden says that the single gravest National security threat to the United States is not China. It's not a nuclear-powered Iran. It's not a nuclear-powered North Korea. No, it's not a global economic meltdown. It's not the pandemic. None of those are the single greatest threat to our national security, nor the invasion of our border and the abrogation of our sovereignty, or the failure of the chief executive and the commander-in-chief to exercise his responsibility as the commander-in-chief and protect our nation. None of that matters. Cyber attackers, not the top threat. Of course, the top threat is from his faith of climate change. That's what he says is the greatest threat to the national security of the United States. (laughs) Talk about detachment reality. Well, a little dose of reality here as the Chairman of Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Mark Milley, tells us what the real threats are. U.S. top general warns China increasing military at serious and sustained rate Army General Mark Milley, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, said it's necessary that the United States retain our competitive and technological edge over the Chinese Communist Party, which comes after President Biden and Pentagon Chief Lloyd Austin raised similar concerns in recent days about the rhetoric coming from the Chinese Communist Party. Of course, that's after Biden said that climate change is the most dangerous. Austin told senators on Thursday that Biden's defense request of $715 billion is needed to meet the challenge posed by the increasingly assertive regime. The request is driven by a recognition that our competitors, especially China, continue to advance their capabilities. Well, on that one, I'm going to disagree. $715 billion is a bit excessive in my book for the U.S. Department of Defense. It can be cleaned up so much better. It just needs to be managed in a far better fashion. Interesting. You hear that coming from a military person. But that's what I've been saying for many years. Folks, those are the headlines and in-depth news analysis on those headlines from today, June 12, 2021. Thanks for tuning in to Adaba African News. We appreciate your patronage and your support for the channel.